Pod back after week 13 in the NFL and the end of conference championship weekend. We have our four teams for the college football playoff. There's a whole lot to get to, and we have the full crew back together again. Eventful weekends traveling all different parts of the country for us. Uh, Scotty battling uh, his, <laughs> his, his hernia right now. Rest in peace to Scotty's groin area as, as it stands, but we hope Scotty feels better. Uh, but everyone's here. So and my quarterback. Everybody? And your quarterback, yeah. <laughs> and your quarterback, dude. Can you can you can you trade a, a, a can you trade injuries with Jimmy G? Will that get him back on the field uh, sooner, do you think? Uh probably, yeah. I'll take the broken foot. Why yeah, not? There you go. You Will you take Russell through? Wilson instead? And I can I'll take uh, an no, injured Jimmy I'm G. I'm good there. Okay. Yeah. Damn. I'd rather I have Brock so. Purdy. I think Vito <laughs> would rather have uh broken footed Jimmy G than, than Russell Wilson right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, tons of stuff to get into wild weekend uh, with some great matchups. This was a big like determination weekend, right? Like we're figuring out who are the teams that are as like as legit as we've been expecting. Uh, Cause there were some big games for teams, Philadelphia, Kansas city, Cincinnati, Miami and San Francisco. And then uh, with some injury luck as well, as we just alluded to, I feel like we have a pretty clear idea of who the top few teams are right now, at least the top like five or six, uh, but we'll get into all of that. Let's start with Thursday night football from last week, Bills, Pats, uh, and this was not the most exciting game in the world, but one that uh, it's something like Buffalo was in control of from the get-go. Uh, the first quarter was a little shaky, but from the second quarter on, Buffalo held on to this game very comfortably and regained their uh, first place in the AFC uh, ranking right now with Kansas City going down and then Miami also losing. Big weekend for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they did on the defensive side of the ball, right? Like that was the most impressive thing. They held the pass to 10 points. It, this this Patriots offense, I know everyone's talked about what they did this year with like Patricia and all that. It clearly at this point though, like, I don't know. Josh Allen's a difference maker. That defense couldn't really contain him. And uh, they even had some, some turnovers, but I like that Patriots offense is a mess. And if they play any top 10 defense, I don't think they can win. No, at this yeah, point, if, I, for, for me, it was. Oh, we got a little delay here on, on zoom. Sorry, Scotty. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you, Vito. New England's <laughs> just not a great football team. And we kind of alluded to this last week, the, the offense has had moments, right? Sunday night football, or was it Thursday night on Thanksgiving night? They were able to actually move the ball with uh, Mac Jones a little bit, but we caught it from the beginning. It was, you're bringing in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia to call plays for Mac Jones, your second year quarterback, who was the most promising rookie last year at that position. Uh, and now is towards the bottom of the barrel. And it's, it's a shame because the defense is actually pretty solid. You know, Matthew Judon's having an unbelievable year, um, but this game is it to me was an all about Buffalo, right? Like, like this is a we are better than New England. We have to because it's with the history between those two teams, and particularly the last twenty five years of history between Buffalo and New England, being so firmly in control of that that game, that rivalry, the way that Buffalo is right now, is important because you don't want to mess around and have one of those weird games like last year up in Buffalo when the wind was 
blowing like crazy and Mac Jones throws it three times and somehow New England finds a way to win. Like you want to grab control of that series and make sure that you are affirming yourself as the best team in the AFC East. And I think Buffalo did that. I think it was so effortless for, you know, it was borderline effortless. It seemed, you know, Josh Allen didn't have a crazy day. The running game was all right. They just kind of played a solid all around game and they still won by two touchdowns. Yeah, that that's what I was saying for me. Uh, the defense looked good, uh, better than it has over the past couple of weeks since they, they've sort of sputtered a little bit, uh, particularly late in games for the Buffalo Bills. But I think it, to, for me, it was the balance on offense that they had. I mean, they didn't have to get, uh, you know, 300 plus yards out of Josh Allen, uh, 120 plus yards out of out of Stephon Diggs, uh, the six catches that uh, Isaiah McKenzie had. No, they were able to spread the ball around a little bit, and they were able to run the ball with James Cook, which was nice to see. Uh, made me look like a genius for drafting him uh, in fantasy, but uh, uh, no matter there. Uh, but the point is that th- if, if this offense can be that balanced uh, on the attack and the defense be that good against a, a team that really, you know, when we, we talk about late season football, it's you got to establish the run, right? And the Patriots are really good at that. And for, for the Buffalo Bills to, to come out on defense and play the way they did, uh, along with that balanced offensive attack, I think that's, that's a real uh, danger sign. Uh, for the rest of the AFC right now. Buffalo being able to run the ball consistently is the biggest thing that they just haven't had, right? Um, Scotty, you took the over on Josh Allen rushing yards. What was it, like 41 and a half uh, last week, which in years past, you're like, man, that actually seems like a pretty solid bet. But Yeah, well, I said it was was a three-week low for him. Earlier this year, even, that makes a lot of sense, right? But just in the last month, They've gotten Devin Singletary going. Uh, and I mean, we could sit here and try to rank our do our power rankings and you know lifts off the top 10 teams that we see in the NFL. But primarily, I just think I think Buffalo's in that top tier, however you split it down, right? Um, and I think I think there's about four teams that are in that that top that top tier. Uh, and Buffalo, Kansas City, Philly, and then I would I would say Cincinnati has to kind of be in that conversation now based off of how they looked that Buffalo is the one that they've been battle tested this year. They've had weird games, they've had injuries, and yet they're still finding ways to win games, even if it's not always pretty. And that's the kind of shit that's going to end up being important down the end of the season. And they've gotten their win against Kansas city. They know they can do that. They get a shot at Cincinnati here in a couple of weeks, which that's going to be a massive game for Buffalo. Uh, and hopefully on the other side, Buffalo stands there. I, I mean, obviously I'm rooting for my team, but of all the AFC teams, like I want to see Josh Allen get a crack at it. I want to see Josh Allen make a, make a deep run, at least get to the AFC championship game. Uh, and it seems like they're primed enough to do that. Uh, all right, let's move on. We kind of buried the lead. Uh, obviously this only happens a couple times a year. We had one week one, and it hasn't happened since. Uh, we had another tie in the NFL. And this is an unusual tie because the ripple effects of this one are going to matter. Uh, the Commanders and the Giants tie at 2020. And Vito, how drunk did you get on your flight back from San Diego? Dude, so I had two flights. I had a layover in Dallas. And um, I had... I've had over 12 Woodford Reserve airplane shots between the two. Um, I also got two to go from the last guy. I got home last night at like 2.30 in the morning, continued drinking with the boys on Xbox Live. Um, shout out JT and, and the guys. 
um, happy tie day. And we went off. Um, my boy had to leave the Xbox Live party because he was throwing up. It was a, it was an absolute shit show. It was beautiful. It, and here's why <laughs> it's beautiful. Number one, this is a classic tie, right? Divisional matchup. Again, to your point, usually it's bad teams, but these were two teams that are actually pretty, pretty decent. And the funniest part to me was this was the game that was kind of sold of like, all right, we're getting this NFC East like picture. Who's going to emerge? And it's like a tie, really, that neither one of these teams is really going to change their record right now. Um, it, it's just, it was poetic. Yeah, it was. And it was it was difficult. So I'm, I was flying back from San Diego to your point. I'm in the car or I'm like trying to get in the car to go. Um, and my friend was saying, Hey, we, we got to hit this. You might miss your flight. And I was like, don't miss this flight. I got to see if this tie happens. And then kick miss. We, we ran there, but dude, it was insane. I could not believe, um, you know, towards the end, they were looking like they were going to go for it on the 45. They end up, they choose to wait, just take the delay punt. And I was like, wow, we're, we're playing for ties. People are playing for ties right now. And what? you know what? I think it's world cups going on. I don't know what, I don't like it. It's USA tied a bunch. It's just, I hate this. I don't love it at all. We need to change the rules. And that's what we'll always celebrate. It's changing the rules. We yeah. Need to. Well, and, and I, we've had that conversation before and, and I agree. Like it's so unsatisfying when you have a tie. Um, but so here's the thing, right? Because this was a weird moment for Brian Dayball and the giants in particular, who had a lead in this game with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. Washington goes down. You're both of y'all's boys, Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson makes an unbelievable play to find the end zone and, and ultimately ties up the game. But Brian Dayball playing for the tie, it just seems so uncharacteristic of the version and the guy that we've seen be the head coach of the Giants all year. And maybe, yeah. and this is just my hunch, it feels like the pressure is kind of getting to him a little bit, right? Because at the beginning of the season, there were no expectations for the Giants. People that the Giants would win maybe four games. I'm one of those people. And yet they come out to this unbelievable seven and one start, drop down to now seven and four, and they're going up against the commanders, a, a rival here. And they think actually a tie keeps us in first place, a tie, or at least, sorry, not first place, keeps us in the wild card. Yeah. So this gives them a chance to make the playoffs. I don't know if going for the tie is the right move. That was always the big like Mike Greenberg thing. Like Greeny was always like, it's the right move. Like it gives you a better chance to make the postseason. And there is truth to that. It's ugly, but it does seem like Brian Dable either was calculating that or had that thought, but the impact of this being a divisional team and more importantly, two divisional, two teams that at the time this game was being played were playoff teams it makes a big difference in how the rest of the season can play out. And we still have a couple more teams that got to go on buys and that I think this is the, I think week 13 yeah. or week 14 will be the last week 14 week, uh, last week that we have any buys. So after next week, everything will be caught up, but for Washington, like that's a game that you, you pretty much had didn't have to win, but they will get a chance after the bye week this week, they'll play each other. Uh, again which is going to be fucking crazy but i don't know just seems tie again how amazing if they tie be? again i i will oh man i'll do something crazy i'll tell you guys that if they if they do that i will run a marathon has there been a like team with day. multiple ties in the same uh, yes yes but not um there was someone who did it twice i think either the cardinals or the rams did it recently like in the last like 10 years but um hmm. i'm pretty sure it was an nfc wester out there scotty yeah but uh yeah, that would make sense. Well, yeah. either yeah. way, they both two, stink. It's two teams Not, that have a chance to make the playoffs. And there's no, I don't think there's been two teams with two ties to each other. That would be that would be the, unreal. Yeah, 
that would have to be two divisional teams yeah. tying each other twice. And the fact that they're the next game that the commanders play will be against the giants um, for their sake. Like they needed that win. The giants have the luxury of, Hey, we're still going to be a playoff game team, even if we tie this, but just didn't feel right. It felt like they should have gone for it. No. And I'd argue the gamble wasn't worth it. Right. Like you don't get the buy if you're, <clears throat> if you're the giants and, and you've been playing aggressively all season long, just because uh, the, the playoffs are, are within reach doesn't mean you should be playing for that. And secondly, now you got to go to Philadelphia to play a game and then to to play uh, the Commanders again. So to me, the playing for the tie is not worth it in that scenario. Um, but maybe that's just me. Uh, the one, the, I guess the one argument you could make is the only teams really that are, are in contention to take that. I mean, Dallas is going to be one of the wild card spots. Uh, and then Seattle and Washington are the only two teams really in a position to challenge New York for that wild card spot. And you're playing one of those teams in that game. So I, I guess the tie doesn't really hurt you. Um, and it actually helps them a little bit. The loss would have hurt them more than I think the win or, or the tie help. obviously it helps them, but I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed odd for Dable. Who's kind of like the dude with the giant nuts right, who is not yeah. afraid to, to take shots and to go for it on fourth down, even with Daniel Jones. And it's all, I think, goes back to the fact that there were no expectations early on in the season for the Giants. Now there are, and now blowing a, a 7-2 start to the season and missing the playoffs might have gotten in his head a little bit, and playing for the time might have made sense. Um, it just seems uncharacteristic for the guy that we've, we've seen for, for the majority of the season. Uh, all right. Let's continue on. Let's go Eagles-Titans. Uh, I want to hit some of the bigger, more important games here first uh, that have bigger impacts, and we'll move on. Um, that was a thorough ass-kicking by the Philadelphia Eagles um, on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Gannon has become a master at the halftime adjustments, um, but this game is all about Jalen Hurts. Uh, and what this Eagles offense has, has done, they've put up over 950 yards of total offense in the last two games uh, to go along with, I believe, nine touchdowns and uh, zero interceptions. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing as good a football as anybody else. But this is like I saw so many people tweeting about this because this has been the most drastic version of of the two versions of Philadelphia we've seen. They're like. They can run for 360 yards one week and then throw for 380 the next week. Like they can beat yeah. in so many different ways. And I'm like, I've been saying that all year because that's what this offense is built around. They take whatever you guys do best on defense or worse, and they figure out the perfect strategy to attack it. And Jalen right now, as he said it earlier, he's become the, the what does he say? Triple threat right? Or quadruple threat. I forget which one is, but he said he can beat you with his arm. He can beat you with his legs or he can beat you with his mind. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the side that like what he's doing right now, the job, obviously AJ Brown is unbelievable. Him and Devonte both go over hundred yards in this game to throw for that many yards this, this week with no Dallas Goddard still uh, the offensive line is playing as well as any offensive line I've ever seen. Somebody did a side to side comparison of Carson Wentz in 17 and Jalen hurts in, in this, in 2022, Jalen's numbers are significantly better across the board. And that's saying something because before Carson Wentz got hurt, he was the front runner for the MVP that year. Mm -hmm. The Eagles, I, I, I keep wanting to like, it's the Philly in me that doesn't want to say we're the best team in football. 
You're the but best think, team in football. I think it's the best team in football right now. I'll say it for you because that that's definitely the case. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. So I was lucky, by the way, I, I wasn't on last week. Um, just going doing some different stuff with, uh, you know, my own life. But um, right before that, at the end of Thanksgiving, um, I got to go to the, the Eagles game and watch that that game. And then uh, the night game on, on Sunday against the Packers. And then watch this. And, dude, I'll tell you what, that the running ability, to your point, back and forth, Jalen ran for must have been over 100 yards in the first quarter of the last game. They were giving him all day. Yeah, it was. Again, so so then they they realize, okay, well, we're not Tennessee's like we're not doing that shit. We saw how that worked, right? So then they try it up, and then what does he do? Throws for 380 and a three touchdowns. Like this guy can do it in any way possible. Big shout out to Grant Calcaterra with a catch on his birthday. Yeah, um, which is always yards. nice. Yeah, and so yeah, his birthday was on the fourth, which is which is always sick. Uh, so for him and his triplet siblings, happy birthday to them. But um, that like this team can win in so many ways to your point on offense. I mean, this week they, they really didn't run the ball well, but they didn't need to. And they can really digest it all the different ways on the defensive side. They got, a, they, they got a decent amount of pressure for the amount of sacks they have like statistically, but really, you know, when you're holding the Titans to, to what they had in terms of just the yardage, like um, everything was kind of underneath if they threw it, um, you know, running the ball, which was, honestly crazy. Like Derrick Henry had 11 carries for 30 yards. I don't know what's going on there, but you know, the line dominated on the defensive side, which, uh, you know, Philly was worried about the run and it's really, they've really improved in what, four weeks. Yeah. And getting Jordan Davis back this week and he only played a handful of snaps, right? But that was also, they go out and get Linville Joseph and then Dominican Sue and you add those guys in and they're older, right? You don't have a ton of youth. I mean, Josh Sweat obviously is really explosive. Hassan Reddick is not is is there go those guys are in their 20s still. But other than that, it's Fletcher Cox and BG and now Joseph and then Dominican Sue. And they, they have old Robert Quinn, like they have older guys on the defensive line. Um, but they just they sold out, right? They knew that even before uh Traylon Burks got knocked out of the game, which prayers up to him, that was a nasty hit. Um, yeah. But even before he got knocked out of the game, they weren't really able to move the ball through the air. Um, they scrambled on like a fourth and nine and Tannehill broke through, but that was about it. I mean, the defensive line, six sacks uh, in this game, and they have a great rotation. The linebacking play has been fantastic. N'Kobe Dean finally saw some second, uh, some, some real actual games because Kazir White got hurt, led the team in tackles, played 15 snaps in the fourth quarter and led the team in tackles. Um, Nicobe Dean's a monster and I, and, and I'm excited for whenever we, you know, get a chance to see him play more regularly, but this is just a team that's going to be fucking hard to beat. And Tennessee doesn't get blown out. Um, I was trying to go back and find some of the statistics, uh, but Tennessee hadn't given up more than 21 points in the last eight games. And they gave up 20, it was 20 points and it was 21 in the, in the second quarter. Uh, The Eagles are just, they, they beat you however they want to beat you. Um, and they've stayed healthy, which is a huge part of it. And then you look around the rest of the NFC uh, and, and you're in the NFL too. And you're looking at like, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, like San Francisco was the team I was most worried about. And San Francisco now lost, loses Jimmy G and they're going to, you know, Hey, Baker Mayfield's going to get released. Maybe Baker ends up in San Francisco, but it's going to be, you know, either Jimmy G uh, or sorry, it's going to be Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson, who they just signed off of a practice squad. I think it's the 14th team now he's played for in the NFL. Uh, I just, it's getting harder and harder to see any team in the NFC that can hang with them. 
And anytime they've played a good team, they've beaten the shit out of them. And I just, I don't know what else to say. I mean, like, everyone's going to poo-poo the schedule. But this team is really fucking good. They're really fucking good. It's good. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to give you grief about the schedule because it is what it is. But I think even when you, it comes down to, the, to week 18 and you look back on some of the what we thought were good teams that you played, like Tennessee's going to make the playoffs. They're going to win their division, no doubt. But, like, they have three threats. It's Derrick Henry, it's Jeffrey Simmons, uh, and whoever you can figure out is, is going to be effective in the in the passing game that day, whether it's Shalon Burks or uh, or Westbrook Akine or whoever, um, and half of Ryan Tannehill. And the Eagles shut all four of those down. So uh, and pick your poison, uh, and you can pick all four. Uh, but the the Titans are, uh, you know, they're not a great team to me. Um, when it, when I don't it comes know, down but, to, but the Eagles are good. I, I'm, not, I'm not discounting this that. This is at a all. top five defense, top three yeah. going in going into this week. Yeah. They were a top three defense. Understandable, but offensively, I guess Kevin right. Byard. I left Kevin Byard out too. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but I, I'm with you, Jeff. I think Scotty. I think uh, people undersell the Eagles. They keep finding saying all this that the, they have one of the best wins, if not the best win, in football, which was the dominant route of the Vikings in week two. Like yeah. the, the Vikings win just looks better and better. And at that time, everyone was like, ah, oh, it's the Vikings, it's the same old Vikings. And now it's like, dude, that they, that was a huge win to just point out a blowout of a good team. So as some of these, yeah, we'll look back and say, whatever. I mean, think about the division is great. Like that is the best division of football. Mm. They killed yeah. the Vikings who are the best other NFC team. So when you look at it in my book, like, man, this is, this is actually a pretty solid round that they're going to have to play through. And I think if they come out on top of that division, which they will, and, and, and most likely will, I should say, and like, I think they're going to be, you know, in a very good spot, hopefully to get that number one seed and then, and see where they can run the playoffs. I mean, hell, I'm so happy. This was my, you know, I picked the Eagles to make the Super Bowl and lose to the Ravens in the beginning of the year. You I wish did. I would have flipped that. Hmm. And uh, half of like, that's correct. Possibly. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but we'll I mean, I'm still goes, I'm yeah. still worried about Dallas. Like, da- and and I'll say this: like, Dallas is the the game Sunday night. I understand the final score, right? And it was a 54 to 19, right? It was an absolute routing. But 21 of that got scored in the fourth quarter after like three consecutive turnovers. Um, that game was a was a one score game late into the third quarter against a, a bad Indy team, and Indy just kind of imploded there. Uh, yeah, they scored like 30 something in the fourth. It was yeah, insane. And, and they didn't, and, and Dallas didn't look good. Dak's also, I mean, I, th- I think it was Dak has nine interceptions and 174 attempts this year. Jalen Hurts has two in 320 something. Like, <laughs> like Dak is not playing great football. They can run the ball, absolutely. Uh, and CD Lamb's really good. Whoa. But like, is adding o- Odell really going to make Dallas that much better? I don't know. I don't think Dallas is amazing but they still scare me because it's it's a rivalry game and so week 17 is going to be a huge game for philly and they have to continue to take care of business i want to see them take care of the giants that's like it's like that and the cowboys those are the two things i need to see because the eagles haven't played the giants yet so i need to see philly take care of the giants um but seeing that the special teams had their best game of the year this week uh and the punt coverage was amazing like they were embarrassed based off of what happened in that game against Green Bay. And it yeah. takes a lot for like special teams to be the main focus of a team uh, in terms of the way, like what the media and what people are talking about. And it had been this past week for Philly. So the fact that that came out and got fixed, the run defense against 
one of the best running backs in football uh, and Derrick Henry, they shut him down completely. Uh, and, and now obviously we know what they have on the outside. So this is the most complete game they've had um, probably since before the Washington loss. So to see that against a good team, a really good defense and a team that just doesn't get blown out. Like they keep everybody in, in games with them. Uh, it was a huge, it was a huge, like just season defining win. It's like, Hey, we are legit. We are as good as 11 to one says, fuck you guys for harping on the schedule. We're here to, to, to do something. And Jalen's playing better than anybody uh, right now. Would you say, and I, I obviously am biased, so I don't feel like my opinion. I mean, cause Mahomes is having such an absurdly stupid year, but it feels like with Kansas city losing. And then uh, that's pretty much it in terms of uh, a two, a two was kind of thrown in the conversation. Yeah. Hertz has to be the front runner for MVP right now. Right. I, I think uh, it's one o'clock Kirk Cousins. Is that on the table? <laughs> one o'clock Kirk Cousins is is a great call, Scotty. Um, I, I love that. <laughs> only if only if like four o'clock Kirk Cousins might win player, like comeback player of the year, honestly. Yeah. Um, that he <laughs> he's been outperformed. I don't know what's going on there, but no, seriously, those three are the are the ones. I mean, with Josh Allen's falling out of that a little bit, I think he's gonna have a strong finish to the year. Uh, but those are the three, and two has had an amazing year. Mahomes has obviously had an incredible year, but Hertz has had such a dynamic year in so many different ways. And I think it's the most unexpected, uh, maybe more expected than two in some ways, but like he, uh, the ways in which he's doing it are so different. He, he has weapons, but I feel like Miami's has a whole different level of, you know, with Tyreek and, and Waddle um, it's different. Yeah. Like I wouldn't take that offense, but it's so fast. It's flashy. I think what Hertz is doing in, in his leadership style is just so different. He's yeah. the face of the Eagles and Tua being out a little bit like that, that definitely affects it. You know what I mean? And, and I said this to Scott last week and the green Bay game was a perfect example of it. Like Jalen hurts, not only is like, cause this, the, all the conversation going into this, this year was well, the offensive line is going to be great. They got the new wide receivers. The defense looks good. It's just how good is Jalen hurts? Can he play well enough? And what we learned in that green Bay game and now subsequently in this game against Tennessee is Jalen Hurts is the not just like playing well, he's the best player on that team in talent wise, in performance, in lead, in every category. Jalen Hurts is the best player on that team, better than AJ Brown, better than us. You can't say that about Tua, right? You can you can say that about Josh Allen, you can say that about Patrick Mahomes, you can't say that about Tua, uh, despite how well he's played this year. Uh, Jalen Hurts has willed this team to wins that they probably should have lost the Indy game, the Green Bay game. Those are Jalen Hurts W's. That's when like QB wins is actually a good stat because you're like, yeah, in that game, Jalen Hurts is why they won those two games. Uh, it's just how many times in NFL history has there ever been a quarterback who ran for 150 plus and two touchdowns one week and then the next week threw for 380 and three touchdowns? Yeah, it's insane. It's and his, num- not his numbers, back. his numbers are better than Lamar Jackson the year Lamar won MVP through uh through twelve games, and yet it still doesn't feel like he's talked about the same way that Lamar is. I don't know if that's just the Philly edge coming out of me, but I don't know. I I think he has to be the MVP, but also if Mahomes wins it, I won't argue. It's very similar to the Embiid but, and Jokic thing last year. I so I do have one thing because I was talking to Grant about this. So uh, you know who the players think the most athletic Eagle is. Mm. Devontae. I was gonna say yes. Uh I was I was gonna say Devontae as well, but uh I'll say Jalen. They say it's Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott? 
Wow. Like, dude, that guy, they play basketball. He like just drips threes. He's the best at ping pong. He's the best at like, um, I forget what else they're playing. Like soccer or something. I know he's a sick yeah. golfer too. Yeah. Like he's just good at everything he does apparently. Like, and they're like, dude, that guy, like, and it's just so funny. Cause I was like, no way. Like, come on, dude. Not like, I was like Jordan Davis, like, you know, yeah. uh, size. And then he was like, no dude, everyone thinks it's Jake Elliott. And I was like, that is so funny. I know you guys are really that. That's the yeah. most kicker thing ever. Cause kickers, <laughs> like if you ever been around any kickers when they were in college or anything else, like they were always those kinds of guys or they were like class clowns. Like kickers are either like those guys who were just sick at everything, like Justin Tucker, or they're the class clown that pisses everybody off. But like everyone like pisses all the coaches off, but all the teams love. That's essentially what kickers boil down to. All right, uh, enough Eagle stock. Tennessee's still fine. They're still going to win that division. They're not any in any jeopardy of of losing that, and they'll they'll fuck around and beat somebody in the first round. Like that. That's kind of the way that this Tennessee team operates. Uh, all right. Uh, other big games from the early window jets Vikings. Uh, this one was interesting. Um, and I'll say this too. It got interesting. <laughs> it got interesting at the end. Uh, it looked ugly. It looked like it was going to be like, Oh, here's the Mike white come down to earth game. The, the stats are a little misleading. 368 yards passing. Uh, obviously the two turnovers, no touchdowns, but New York, it's a pretty solid football team all around. And I'll say this too. This was like the affirmation of like, Hey, you're playing a really good team in the Vikings. You found a way to fight back and almost go down and score a touchdown late to potentially win the game. Uh, and they didn't quite get it done, but this was the nail in the coffin. I think for Zach Wilson as the quarterback of the New York jets. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it, it, not only what impressed me on the field, because the week in and week out, I, I keep finding uh, ways to to carve up the Jets offense and, and be like, I don't know, like, I don't see how they're winning this game. And, you know, time and time again, I'm wrong. And, and they keep uh, coming in and playing well, the whole unit. I mean, even losing Michael Carter, you get Zonovan Knight uh, and, and Ty Johnson, uh, who had a good game last week, but Donovan Knight getting the uh, the lion's share of the uh, of the rushing, and then you know the way that they're managed. Robert Sala has done a, a really good job. That's what I'm most impressed with well, with this team is that you know when they when Mike White ended up scoring that touchdown after it got reviewed uh, on the on the rush um, to to bring it within five, and then they're down there driving again. Uh, in between that, they had a drive that stalled out. It it was it was. Uh, it ended up in a punt, um, but it wasn't a, or a turnover on downs, one of the two. Um, but it was never a, a panic uh, for Robert Sal, even though there was like two, uh, two and a half minutes left in the game. It was like, hey, we've got all three timeouts. Let our defense go out there and do their job that we've coached them up to do. And then we'll get the ball back and go back down and score uh, the game winner. And they almost did uh, to their credit. So I, I really like what they're doing uh, on that coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, they had that chance that, like, they were down there. They couldn't convert. They got the ball back again. You're right. The defense has, you know, stepped up. But uh, to your point, I, I, the, like, Robert Sell is doing a great job. Uh, when he did that, like, so basically the team's getting off because they just failed and couldn't get it. And he sends the defense out in such a calm way. I'm like, hey, guys, go, like, yeah. come on, go get the ball back. And they you got did. three timeouts. Then, yeah. Go get the ball back. Yeah, 100%. And, and, it was, it was beautiful to see that. But this offense, man, like, you, you got to convert when you're in the red zone like that. And the two picks, like – Mike White's definitely a lot better if you watch the game, uh, you know, um, than maybe you would think, but it was, it still is just like, it's not there yet. They're almost there. Like this is a team that 
with just a little bit better play in, in the red zone and on third down, some of this stuff, um, you know, could easily have another couple wins. And it's crazy to think the Jets, like the Jets are on the verge of being better than their record. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. is wild now because like for a while it was like, dude, the Jets can't be that good. You know, <laughs> and it's like, man, they're, they're a good team. No, and yeah. they're, they're a really good defensive team. Like, yeah. they, they almost shut Minnesota out in the second half. The defense completely dominated the second half, and Minnesota let that game kind of slip away from them, which goes back to Minnesota. They're 10-2, and two, but Jesus Christ, like every single game for them is a one-score game. Uh, and, and that's what my biggest fear for them would be heading into the postseason is, okay, what happens if you have to string along like three – you have to win at least three games – to get to the Super Bowl and and, and then you know, or two games, no, three games, some because they won't have the first round by. And then you got to win the Super Bowl and you play all these one score games. But then you're going to be playing three good teams in a row. Can they hold on to some of these games? I don't not think at one o'clock either. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. And I don't think Minnesota is <laughs> going to be able to do that. I, I really yeah. don't. The defense has done well enough for them. And the linebacker play and the defensive line has played really well for Minnesota this year. The secondary, they've gotten this miraculous like renaissance season from Patrick Peterson. But for the most part, like it's a pretty middle of the road and, defense. And they've stayed healthy on defense too, yeah. for the most part. That's been critical. Uh and and on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, usually by this point, we've seen Dalvin Cook out for two, three, four weeks at a time. And that hasn't happened, right? So they've been able to to continue or have continuity in their offense. Um, not that Alex Madison isn't uh, isn't a great backup. I think he's one of those guys we look to, uh, particularly in fantasy, is like, oh, that's the guy you want to hold on to in the likely event that Dalvin gets hurt. But like, I think I think the continuity has helped them uh, week in and week out. And, and same thing on defense, uh, because that's been their weak point. Yeah. And, and I just look the second half, obviously, for the Jets offense, like I think the Jets are probably going to end up sneaking into the playoffs and they're not going to be a fun team to play, assuming they stick with Mike White. I think they'll be able to steal a couple wins here. They have a pretty tough schedule to close out the season, but they're going to play every team tough. The Just if you look at the drive chart for uh, the second half for the Jets, right, which at, I, both offensively and defensively made great adjustments, but they went field goal, field goal, field goal, touchdown, turnover on downs, which they had a chance to, to pick up the first down, and they didn't on fourth and short, and then the interception to close out the game. But it was aggressive. You're right, Vito. They have to be able to convert better on the op- opponent side of the field. And, you know, one of those field goals turns into a touchdown. This game probably looks a lot different. But then the defense held Minnesota to punt, punt, touchdown. i sorry, punt, 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 touchdown, punt, punt. Like Minnesota's offense completely got shut down in the second half of that game. Uh, and, and three of those were three and outs, too. Uh, sorry, four That's of the awesome. punts in the second half were three and outs. Uh, so the, the Jets defense is really good. We know Sal is a fantastic defensive coach, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I just, the more we see from Minnesota, I said it before they got hit by the lucky stick this year and they've had balls bounce their way and they've made unbelievable plays and they've earned a lot of their wins, but I still think they're the most fraudulent 10 and two team I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. And I, and I think they're going to struggle in the postseason. Uh, meanwhile, the Jets, like I would be afraid of both of these teams equally in the postseason for different That's reasons. That's a good way to put it. For no, different you're right. reasons. They're the same threat level. But yeah, I would be afraid. Threat level midnight. The same level, which is like, <laughs> yeah, like you got to take them seriously. You should beat both of these teams. If, I, if I'm come, talking about it from an Eagles perspective as the best team, but 
you know, you have to bring your A game still. You have to be able to come out and win that game. Uh, all right, that's pretty much all of the significant games in the uh, in terms of playoff impacts. I guess the the one other one we could say from the one o'clock window, uh, Ravens Broncos um, for a couple of different reasons. And we'll get we'll get your update because we haven't had a veto Broncos update here in a little while. Uh, but Ravens somehow score touchdown late. This game was ugly as hell. Uh, I took the first half under at 19 and a half. Uh, the total for the game was 19 points. This game sucked dick. Uh, and still somehow the Broncos found a way to lose this game, even though Lamar Jackson leaves the game in the first quarter. Lamar, I've been saying it all year, has looked weird. The whole offense, the whole team has looked weird, even though some of his individual stats have looked really, really good. Uh, and Tyler Huntley, can make an electric play a few times a game that make us all think trick us into thinking he's really good. He went one in four as a starter last year. Uh, so let's not sit there and all of a sudden think Tyler Huntley's going to be like, going to be able to keep this team going. The Ravens are in trouble and they won this game. And that's big, but with the way that Cincinnati's looking right now, beating Tennessee and Kansas city in back-to-back weeks, Baltimore is in some trouble. Uh, and finally, I didn't bet Baltimore on a big spread. There was nine points this week. I took Denver and it finally paid off uh, because I just said, I can't keep betting the Ravens to win big. I can't keep waiting for this Lamar Jackson blow up game because uh, it just hasn't come all year. And that's, there's something weird with this Ravens team. Yeah. I mean, let's start with the Ravens. Obviously it sucks with Lamar, but you're right. Something's been off. I mean, this was an ugly game, 13 punts. There were only five first downs on third down out of the 25 that uh, combined, like terrible third down play. Terrible uh, offense, um, but the Ravens were three of three on fourth down, and they made they made a way to win when they had to, and um, it sucked. It sucked to watch uh, a lot, um, but you know I, I do think the story out of this game is like what what is going to happen with Lamar, and um, you know you hope that I don't, has there any news come out yet? I mean I, I didn't see he's going to be uh, Harbaugh said today he's going to be week to week. Um, it's a knee bruise is how they've been framing it. Uh, so I, I, my guess is, yeah, Mm. my, my guess is we're going to see, uh, Tyler Huntley start here in week, uh, 13 or week 14, who I'm not sure who Baltimore's playing next week. I'm going to pull up the schedule. I I think they have a pretty big game. It might be Cincinnati. They've got the the Um, Steelers. Steelers Steelers this week. The red hots, the red hot Steelers too. And it's in Pittsburgh. So yeah, they have Pittsburgh at Cleveland home against Atlanta home against Pittsburgh and then at Cincinnati. Uh, that's not a super easy stretch. Um, no, four, with, four divisional games out of five is tough. And they're all games that I can see Baltimore losing based off of how they've played this year. Um, so, this yeah, week. they're in trouble. And the weird thing is, like, their defense has been solid all year, except they've blown out. They've had a couple of bad blow-ups, right, where these, you know, last-minute score, you know, scores, fourth-quarter comeback kind of blow-ups that Baltimore's had. Um, I think I saw a stat that if like Baltimore ha- was leading in almost every third quarter as after every third quarter this year, I could be making that up, but uh, I think if they were like, th- like 10 and one it's or something be close. Yeah. Um, That's so crazy. They've had a lead at halftime or the third quarter in like every single game this year. Um, and yet they've, they, they've dropped four of them. Um, yeah. There's something off off with this team. But they're still eight and four, and they're still in first place in the AFC North. Um, but with the way Cincinnati's been playing, like, I don't know. I just, I can't see this team 
doing much in the postseason at all. And look, Denver's defense is really good. Uh, and yeah, Lamar being hurt and taken out of that game, who knows what the rest of the game looks like, but he wasn't super impressive in the first half. Uh, and Tyler Huntley now is going to have to try to keep them afloat against two divisional rivals on the road uh, in the AFC North, which is going to be tough to do. Yeah, well, you know the the two Pittsburgh games, TJ Watts licking his chops right now mm-hmm. uh, to get after that. Uh, um, yeah, but but yeah, that those are those are all going to be tough games, and they probably look a lot like the this one did this week. But uh, uh, and if you're a betting man, as we as all three of us are, really, yeah, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't bet on the Ravens to to come out on the other side with a with a, a trio or or uh, four wins even. Yeah, um, no. and if I may. Yeah, I was gonna say um, let's let's get your your state of the Broncos address here, Vito, because I'm I'm worried about you. I'm worried about me too. So here's the deal. I'm in full panic mode. I'm in full blow up this team. I'm in full. I, what the hell happened? Why didn't we trade for Geno Smith instead? Uh, which obviously no one would have thought before the year. But this is. You know, someone's going to look at the stats. Russell Wilson was 17 to 22 for like 190 yards, whatever. You watch that game and you're just like, what the hell was that? Um, This team is, it's, I still don't believe it's really a terrible team. I think there's some problems on the line, but what is happening with Russell Wilson is, and Nathaniel Hackett is one of the worst transitions. I've, the worst transition from, any year to year I've ever seen as a Bronco ever by far. Um, But in addition to that, I cannot believe how poorly he's playing and he's still sticking with the same script. People definitely hate him now in Denver. This whole, like, you know, I I know I'm going to rebound. I, I, I know I'm going to come back all that stuff. I I know what else are you going to say? Right. You got to believe in yourself uh, as a pro athlete, but at some point it's like, dude, just, just why don't you just shut up, admit that you're terrible in terms of like, I need to play a lot better. And he said, like, oh, we need to play better. We need to play better. But at this point, it's like, all right, what are you guys doing differently in practice? What are you guys doing differently in your game planning to change it up? Because I'm seeing the same shit I saw week two when we were like, hey, they just need a couple weeks to figure it out. Maybe it takes a season. We're fucking three quarters of the way through the season. And these fucking assholes still make my team look like goddamn shit. I'm not heated at all about it. But uh, I like seriously, I can't believe it, man. I cannot believe this team. I cannot believe this quarter of a billion dollar man has played this poorly, um, get him out of his fucking office in the facility, put him in the fucking shittiest locker, make him earn his way. Because right now it feels like he's the king in the, uh, in the castle and he fucking never, uh, you know, fought it for the army in a day. Like he never has participated in anything at their level. It, it just seems like a total disconnect. You see it on the sideline. You've seen it in the last couple of weeks. And I'm just a fucking over the fact that he's the guy who, you know, really is is the reason we're going to live or die as a franchise for the next foreseeable future. Oh, and by the way, usually it's fine because I'm okay with like, you know what? We're out of the playoffs. We might as well keep losing. No, we don't even get our fucking draft pick. That's the worst part. Is like, even if you not, did, do you want Russell Wilson like coaching up a quarterback that you're going to draft? I don't think so. I don't think that not, would happen either. I don't even know if we take a quarterback, but at least it's like, oh man, we're losing. We're going to get a really high draft pick. No, yeah. our third to fourth overall pick is of course going to go to Seattle, who's you know, really building something. So um, yeah. it's, it's who, hard. Who, and who beat you in week one. Uh, yeah. So a couple of things here with the Broncos one and uh, eight since week three, uh, one and eight record. 
How many times this year, Vito, have the Broncos scored more than 20 points in a game? Twice, maybe. Twice. Loss against the loss, uh, the loss against the Raiders, mm-hmm. and the win against Jacksonville, in which they scored 23 against the Raiders and 21 against Jacksonville. Uh, if they had scored 20 points in every single game this year, and I know we've done this stat before, but just 20 points right now, the Broncos would be nine, would have nine wins and three losses. Well, and some of those points, if you look at it, one of those games went to overtime. It, they'd really be 10 and two because yep. some of the points, if you look at it, like if they ended regulation with 20 with points, 20 points we would they'd be 10 be, and two. They'd be 10 I, and two hate us you know and i think this is hard for fans to maybe understand why i'm so mad is because we traded away drew lock and our our team last year could score 20 points a game Mm -hmm. we got so much worse in this trade it's not like we were the worst offense and we stayed the worst offense we were we were bad we're bottom third but we were not this bad imagine if they had just traded for geno smith instead or if we just kept the same team if we kept drew lock and no offense this team would still i guarantee you we'd be be in a playoff position yeah, I think I honestly, I honestly think that's true. I, I, I genuinely think that's true. Or if they made a trade for like a Gardner Minshew or somebody else who could have come yeah. in and, and had a QB battle that way, um, it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be Jimmy G yeah. even right. Like, Dude. but it, it's just a, it's such a fascinating uh, case study for for lack of better words, and it will be. But you have this ultra ultra wealthy family come in and buy the team, right? And what do owners want to do when they get a shiny new toy, right? When you go out and you and you buy a Ferrari, you buy a Mustang, you get you buy a boat. What's the first thing you want to do? You buy new golf clubs. I want to go out and play with this thing immediately. And that's what they did because it was going to be either Aaron Rodgers or it was going to be Russell Wilson. That's the those are the two options. It was going to be one of those two, and Denver was going to make it happen one way or the other. And first time general manager. And first-time head coach come into this situation with one of the wealthiest families in the world, with Peyton Manning in the ownership group, and John Elway still breathing down your neck, even if it's from a little bit further side of the building than it once was, that puts both the GM and Nathaniel Hackett in such an impossible situation to go work with somebody that you've never worked before who's, oh, yeah, guaranteed uh, $140 million in, in a contract that's worth upwards of $250 million. It is a perfect example of what not to do when you own and, and jump into owning an, a franchise, whether it's in the NBA or whether it's in the NFL. You make these massive decisions that are now could potentially set back the Denver Broncos four or five years with the amount of stuff that they've lost. Um, and, and trading that contract is going to be a bitch because I was even thinking, Right. We just said Mike White probably going to take over as as the, the the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future for the New York Jets. Would you trade away Russell Wilson for Zach Wilson just to get that contract off the books? New York says, hey, you know what? Russ can come in. He's just a little bit more experienced. No, he's had some trouble. We'll take on the contract. We have a great young defense. We have a ton of really good skill position. Our offensive line's a little bit better than Denver. You take Zach Wilson because he hasn't worked at all. He's been a problem, but we'll take that deal off your hands. Do you do that? I I don't know if they would do that. As a Broncos fan, I think I would take that for the contract. I, take it I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think we'd reevaluate that at the end of the year. I also think that Zach Wilson's not like it's at least something new and exciting, but I also think that 
as a Broncos fan, as upset as I am, you got to hope that you can make something change here. Like they're, the guy's still like, you don't go from, you know, where he was and, and, and winning Super Bowls and being considered, you know, in the race for MVP to like the worst quarterback in the NFL for, and, and there's no redemption there. There's gotta be some redemption to get him back to at least like a mid tier quarterback. I don't know what that is, but I just, God, I don't want to fight. But it ultimately, it comes down to Russ. Like I, and I know people want to blame Hackett and I know Hackett has fucked up some end of game situations, but like, you're not seeing defensive tackles run off the field and screaming at Nathaniel Hackett. You're seeing them come off the field and scream at Russell Wilson. Yep. You know, and, and it's the same. And it's so funny that the two Russells that this is kind of what's come down to, but Russell Westbrook's the same fucking situation. He's hardheaded. He's stubborn. It's he wants to do what he's always done in the NBA. And now he's got this untradeable contract and he's been stuck. And basically it was that same idea. That's why I brought up the Zach Wilson thing. Cause it's like, Hey, we'll, we'll take back significantly less talent. Just take the fucking contracts. We'll even throw a, a draft pick in there. Just take it off of our hands. I think the New York jets say no. I think they would rather work with, with Mike White and see if they can do something else. But the fact that we're standing here, what, eight months removed from that trade for Russell Wilson, yeah. sitting here and having a conversation. Imagine if this time last year, right, or even a year and a half ago, we're sitting there being like, oh, yeah, by the way, Zach Wilson, about to get drafted number two overall, is going to get traded. Or would you accept that trade for Russell Wilson? Right? Like, everyone would be like, no. Like, you wouldn't – like." Seattle would never trade that away for some kid from BYU, but that's no. kind of where we're at right now. And Denver, I just, I feel for him because the dead cat money is awful. At least Rogers is, th- is showing some sort of, of growth and adjusting, right? Uh, Russell Wilson, until he changes his mindset, which for him, that's his whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to stay this way for a while. Um, I hope I'm wrong for your sake, Vito, because it's just, it's so it sucks watching a team be so good defensively and yet sit there at three and nine. Because I think the Broncos might be the best defense in the NFL. Like I actually I honestly think that might be true. It's crazy. Statistically, uh, at least they're up there. Um, other things to note touch on here from the early window before we take a quick break. Uh, the Lions absolutely beat down the Jacksonville Jaguars 40 to 14. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's been amazing. Um, two tutties for him, over 100 yards. Uh, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift trying, making their case at least for the best backfield in football, and they've looked like it. The offensive line's playing well, and the defense for Detroit has finally started to come along. Aiden Hutchinson's a beast. Jeff Akuda starting to show some flashes as a guy that they drafted really high. Uh, the Lions with a big win, and Scotty, you were all over this one. Yeah, I, it just feels to me like uh, not only for the spread pick because the the numbers uh, suggested that the Lions would uh, would would cover, but I didn't think that they would not only put up forty points but uh, leave fourteen uh, for the Jaguars that looked like a really good offense last week. I mean, when we were talking Jeff on the podcast, we were talking about how well they were able to move the ball um, even with Travis Etienne injured. You still had Jamichael Hasty. Um, back there at running back that was helping out. Uh, Christian Kirk was starting to to sort of get a little more electric. Uh, Zay Jones uh, absolutely going off. And so where did that go? Uh, and I don't think it's – it's. I mean, a lot of it is the fault of, of the Jaguars, obviously game planning, but I think the Lions are really just that good. Like, I think this is what they've 
they haven't been this all season, but this is what they've grown into. And this is the team we thought, you know, we, we, we could get flashes of when, when we were talking about them in the preseason during, during hard knocks. Right. Um, and it's another win that makes you just want to go play for, for Dan Campbell and root for these guys because it, it, they do it in a different way all the time. Uh, they can run the ball really effectively. Jared Goff is playing for what I think uh, is Jared Goff out of his mind. Uh, and, and that receiving core is getting healthy. Jameson Williams is back. Uh, and you've got DJ Chark there and Amon Ross St. Brown, of course. Um, but then, you know, both sides of the line have, have been super effective. And I think that has everything to do with Dan Campbell and the culture he's established there. So, I mean, great win for them. That's awesome. They're, they're four and one in their last five games. Uh, and, and the game before that against Miami was a shootout that they damn near stole that game too. Um, so it's been since the game at Dallas that they lost 24 to six that uh, they really haven't been blown out in a while. Um, they should have beaten Buffalo. They're playing really, really good football. They are a top 10 offense. They're number eight right now in passing, number 10 in rushing yards per game. They are sixth in scoring in the NFL right now. Their points I mean, against... Jamal Williams has like 18 touchdowns, right? Yeah. Jamal, it's been, Jamal it's, Williams has more touchdowns than the Broncos have all year. That's a fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One other fun thing that's been floating around Twitter, not to bring up the Broncos again. Uh, right now, Russell Wilson needs four more touchdown passes to match yeah. the amount of bathrooms that he has in his house. Um, so yeah. Yeah, sorry, not to, to, I just saw that stat and I heard it earlier and I was like, that's funny as shit. Um, yeah, but right. I mean, you look at this, right? I mean, the game against Philly was a one score game. They beat Washington, uh, should have beaten Minnesota, almost beat Seattle. And then they had those two games against new England and Dallas, but starting off one and six, now they're sitting there at five and seven with a real shot to make the postseason. It's not that crazy. Uh, they'd have to beat Minnesota at home this week. They have to beat the jets on the road but then it's carolina chicago at green bay all three of those are winning are winnable right so if they win those three that gets them to eight wins could they steal one against the jets could they steal one against minnesota and get to you know nine wins because nine wins might be enough to get you into the postseason considering that the the uh, uh the commanders and the giants have to play again the giants have to play the eagles twice again uh, Seattle's been barely hanging on by a thread. I think nine wins might get you into the postseason. And yeah, they got to finish out the season winning four out of their next five again to get there. But with the way that they're playing and the way that this team is kind of set up, it's not a team that you want to play because they're getting after the quarterback. They're playing really well in coverage. And defensively, they're playing their best football of the season right now for sure. Still not great. I mean, you know, the 30 no. points to the Bears – uh 28 to the to the bills but it, well, this it's is still what, like, doable dan kept his dan Campbell kept his job because he did well at the end of last season i'm glad he's doing better and this is still like the middle part so hopefully they go on a tear here and and, and get something going jacksonville man it was that was tough to watch um you know i was out in california my boy shane who's diehard jags fan and it's just been uh yeah, that's that's not fun. And yep. and watching that offense was was brutal. And this is what happens to Trevor Lawrence, man. It's been so up and down and, and the whole team has and it's just difficult to watch sometimes. So I don't know. Definitely. Hopefully they can figure their shit out. Uh some of the other games here to to hit on. Uh, let's talk about the surging Pittsburgh Steelers. Similar situation. Uh they were two and six uh through eight weeks. They've now won three out of their last four, uh, including that close game against Cincinnati. They need three more wins to get above 500, which would 
continue the Mike Tomlin 500 or better streak, uh, which that is one of those subplot lines I'm really rooting for. They have two games against Baltimore. They have a game at Carolina, a home against Vegas, and a home against Cle- uh, a, a game against Cleveland at home. Uh, I think three wins out of that group is not unrealistic. And Kenny Pickett's playing pretty good football right now. Yeah. But Pittsburgh's defense is definitely carrying the load, and Najee Harris uh, playing really good football right now as well. But the Steelers are doing enough to get the job done with a rookie quarterback in a season that seemed completely lost. All of a sudden, Pittsburgh's sitting there at five and seven. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised with, uh, and I don't I don't like saying this about anyone uh, except your mother who went to Pitt, uh, but I'm surprised with the growth that uh, that Kenny Pickett has made over his first year in the league. And they went to him early, which was uh, even at the time like. Uh, when were we going to see Kenny Pickett? It was only a matter of time, and they went to him early. And I'm glad they did because he has he's grown so much over this over this year. Uh, I really like the the quarterback that he's become. Uh, and you know, a lot of the faults on on the offense are are not his. Like he's playing really well. He's putting the ball where his receivers can get it. I mean, Deontay Johnson, who never drops the ball, had like two drops this weekend. Uh, which was, he, he dropped a lot of balls last year. That was the big problem last year was him and, yeah. and Claypool led the league in drops. He's been better this year, but yeah. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, Najee Harris banged up is still playing, playing tough. Uh, do you see that stiff arm he had on, yeah. <laughs> on the Falcons line? That was one oh, of the most goodness. vicious, like, cause he caught him like perfect at like push, <laughs> like just shoved his face in the go to bed, there. son. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, <laughs> But yeah, I mean the whole the whole unit's playing well. Having TJ Watt back on the defense is huge. I mean that that's a defense we talked about in the preseason that uh, they lost a lot, but somehow with the guys they signed, like we thought they got better than last year, uh, and that was a, one of the best defenses in the league last year. So uh, glad to see that they're playing a little bit more uh, up to, up to caliber. A lot of that's the health, but yeah, man, uh, the Steelers are playing well. I hope they get to that 500 mark for uh, for Tomlin's uh, streak too. And it's an interesting kind of case uh, the, the fact that they played Atlanta is interesting right because Atlanta was sitting there looking like they had a real shot to make the postseason uh by just winning the NFC South which has been so bad this year uh and they've had this this hard fast rule all year that until they're mathematically eliminated from the postseason Marcus Mariota is going to continue to play and you look at what Pittsburgh's doing right and starting the rookie quarterback has actually kind of changed and, and and turned their season around and and it makes me wonder like why not throw? Why are they not throwing Desmond Ritter in there? Right. You, you spent draft capital on this kid. He's got nothing but glowing reviews on, uh, you know, from the preseason and obviously stuff he's done throughout uh, his career at Cincinnati. Give the kid a shot. Like he was already an older rookie to begin with. You got to give him reps. You got to give him opportunities to go out there and to try to, you know, make plays and potentially win football games. Uh, and, and I love Mariota. I think a lot of us all have soft spots for Mariota from those Oregon teams. He started off the year playing pretty well, but when all you can do is really run the ball and you're that limited with the rest of your offense, you have Jake Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts, throw in the rookie quarterback and see if something sticks. That run right. did not – I was like, shit. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <clears throat> I mean, there's not much more to even say about that. Like, the, the, something's got to change there. He, he He's so conservative, which, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over too much. When he does, they almost automatically lose because he's not pushing the ball much. Um, I, I think it's about time. And I love Mariota, too. I, I really like him. Hell, I'd take him 
uh, over, you know, some quarterbacks to start in this NFL right now. But, uh, but I, I do think that um, it's time to see because this, the rest of that team is really like the defense is performing at a pretty high level. Um, and <clears throat> they've got some talent for sure on the offensive side. And so Falcons are an interesting team to, to check out here in the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. A couple more games here. The uh, Packers do what they always do to the Chicago Bears. Um, it sucks because the, the score definitely – Christian Watson scores that the big touchdown at the end of the game that kind of widened the gap. This game was really close pretty much all the way down to the fourth quarter. Um, Justin Fields breaks off another crazy touchdown run. Um, if you're the Bears, like, yeah, like you want to win this game, no question, right? Like it's a rival. It's Justin Fields. You want to see Justin Fields succeed in a fourth quarter. Uh, but also the Bears are sitting there with the number two overall pick. If you're Chicago, you know, they still have Philly on their schedule. It's going to be a tough sledding kind of for the rest of the season for them. Um, you want to get Justin Fields reps. It was good to see him healthy and back out there. But, you know, just what Aaron Rodgers does, right? Aaron Rodgers steps up. Uh, and, and the offense, too, for Green Bay seems to be at least a little bit better. Um, they're not technically out of it yet. They would have to basically win out the rest of the season uh, to even give themselves a fighting shot but it seems like Green Bay is going to be sitting there uh, with more than likely a, a top 12 pick uh, on the outside looking in. Can't believe some of the losses the Niners have. I mean, yeah, the just, Bears lost. The Bears and the, and the Broncos are two of the three, the four losses. Well, the Bears uh, one is tough and the Falcons. crazy downpouring rain, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, but hey, look, I, for the for the Bears, you're, you're right. I mean, you're sitting there at that, that three pick and you got a bunch of capitals. Uh, capital trade capital that you've acquired over um, over the uh, over this season, trading guys like Roquan Smith, uh, and, and so I think they're in good shape. Uh, I I prefer their trajectory uh, to to the the Broncos' trajectory right now, uh, but yeah, I like nothing nothing they can do about that. They're they're really solid in the run game, and then the Packers. I mean. At what point are you kind of like, all right, you got to throw it? In. I knew they weren't going to mail it in against the uh, the division rival, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't see where the where the Packers fit into the postseason conversation. Yeah. Um, but hey, oh. you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the Aaron Rodgers quote at the end was great, where he was just like, <clears throat> "Chicago's been like a second home to me." Like, what a backhanded comment! Oh. What a like just perfectly <laughs> beautiful, like, oh yeah. I, I, he says it like you don't you know, know how many without- of these you get. Yeah, and like he kind of did it in a way that was like, oh, man, if he doesn't like you can tell he actually enjoys going there. And he's well, like, man, I, I, I it was know. the whole thing last year. Right. With the like, I own you. I fucking own you. Sound yeah. bite that got picked up on the air. Right. And and that was different because what they finished 14 and three last year or 15 and two. And he won the MVP and he was playing amazing football. Like, yeah, dude, like you won the game, but you've played like dog shit this year. You were, you know, you you pulled yourself out of the game against Philly, come back against this game against Chicago. Like, I, it seems just super petty to me, honestly. And honestly, Aaron Rodgers, kind of the king of petty in the NFL. It's kind of his, yeah. his MO. I'm okay um, with it, though. I love the fact that he's like, you know, I'm just going to be a villain for this city. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be your joker, and I'm going to rub it in your face. 100%. Uh, well, in the, uh, uh, in the spirit of being petty, Let's continue on with the Cleveland Browns and Houston Texans game, last game here beforehand. Um, <laughs> look, I was actively, Scotty and I both said, it was like, we don't know. No one knew what to expect with Deshaun Watson. No one knew what it was going to look like. Uh, and 
So it was really weird to try to handicap this game, try to make a pick. Scotty and I both said, fuck Cleveland and fuck Deshaun Watson. We're both taking the Texans. Now, Cleveland won, but what was so beautiful about this and why I'm not mad about it is because Deshaun Watson looked like fucking shit. And the only reason they won was because they had a punt return for a touchdown, an interception return for a touchdown, and a fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, The offense didn't do anything. They ran the ball pretty well, but that was Chubb and Hunt, and that was about it. But zero offensive touchdowns for them in the the return of Deshaun Watson, the guy who was going to be this great quarterback for them. Looks like shit. It was his first game action in two years. Obviously, there was yeah. going to be rust. Obviously, it should take time. Yeah. Um, but it, not going to lie, it made me feel very happy to watch him play as poorly as he did uh, in that it was game. Just, and I hope it continues. It was poetic to uh, to have that. You know, I think one of the first drives, uh, they were inside the red zone. He throws an interception in the red zone against his old team. And that stadium went bonkers. It yeah. was fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I think – Go ahead. Peter. I was gonna say, I, I think, I think that's the craziest part about this is that, like, yeah, you line this up to go home, but like, the, the I guess the whole point of the NFL was it's gonna be the spectacle and all that. Dude, the Texans owned Deshaun Watson. The Browns just defensively owned the Texans way more. I mean, yeah. this, they won despite him, and you know, there's something to say about a Spark, and they know that, like, hey, he's he, the talent is there, but this is going to be a very interesting end of the season because. You know, at some point here, if he's playing that poorly, like, you know, I, I'm I, this is going to be weird to see how, what happens. And if this continues for a couple of weeks, how long do they stick with it? You know, yeah. do they just go to percent for the season and say, hey, man, we'll, we'll bring you in next year. We gave you all that money. You're going to be here. But like we, we've, we're, we're doing OK without you. Um, I think I think he has to play for the I mean, if if you're going to do they're this, not out of it. Well, it's not it's not even if because they're. I mean, they're not out of it. You're right, Scott. I mean, and, they're sitting there at five and, and, they, seven, and like they have two. Two, two games against teams who are probably going to make the playoffs both on the road uh, at Cincinnati and at Washington. That's the the teetering one on New Year's Day. Um, so they're not out of it. But, you know, if he's going to play like that against those teams, that's going to be a problem. Wow. I, I didn't realize Cleveland was playing Washington this year. So it's going to be probably the two most hated people in the NFL right now, Dan Snyder versus Deshaun Watson uh, in that one. That's going to be that's going to be a whole lot of hate filled for uh, for New Year's Day. But um, player haters ball. Yeah. Right. Uh, look, but if I'm putting myself <laughs> in the mindset of Cleveland, right? Like we're committed to this guy before all this shit with him, he was unbelievably electric. I, I still remember making arguments like other than Mahomes, I think Deshaun Watson was the guy that I would want to hitch my wagon to for the foreseeable future. Um, that, that obviously has changed over the last couple of years, <clears throat> but for Cleveland, you have to give him as many live game reps as possible because He's going to look this – it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. You know, think about how shitty people teams look in the preseason. Think about how shitty teams look in the first few weeks of the season then turn it around. This is two full years, right? In most of those cases, it's like six or seven months, you know, since they last played competitive football, sometimes a little bit longer um, for teams that don't make the playoffs. For Deshaun Watson, it's been two years. So it's, it's going to take time. They have to throw him out there. Uh, and I, like I said, I hope he continues to suck. And uh, I hope it becomes a big point of contention and I hope it fucks over the locker room and the Browns end up having a really shitty time. That's what I want. Uh, All right, let's take a break. Come back. We got the uh, four o'clock windows, the Sunday night game we'll touch on. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about the college football playoff being set. And we'll do all that uh, after a quick break. 
All right, 4 o'clock window starts off. Uh, two major games we'll touch on, uh, the big one being Kansas City and Cincinnati. And Joe Burrow, only the second quarterback to have three wins against Patrick Mahomes. How many wins does Justin Herbert have against Patrick Mahomes, Scotty? Any idea? Uh, probably none. Yeah, I don't think he has. Uh, the only other one is uh, Tom Brady, who has three wins against Patrick Mahomes. And now Joe Burrow joining him. Three wins in their last three contests uh, against Kansas City. And Cincinnati, we talked about this stretch that they have. They had to beat Tennessee. That was a tough, ugly win. They had to find a way to do it. They did. Now they beat Kansas City, the second kind of the white whales on their, on their schedule right now. Meanwhile, Baltimore barely holding on uh, by the skin of their t- uh, fucking teeth. And then, you know, looking at what Cincinnati's done basically since – the end of September, um, they've only lost two games since week three, right? So, or since week two, right? They lose those first two games against Pittsburgh and Dallas. And since then they are eight and two, which is a really impressive run here. Wins against the Jets, Miami, uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and now Kansas city, uh, the weird loss against Cleveland, uh, and then the two point loss against Baltimore earlier in the season, this Cincinnati team is playing as good a football as anybody. Joe Burrow's playing as good as pretty much anybody in, uh, in, in the NFL. And it's crazy because they're basically following the exact same path that they did a year ago on their way to the Super Bowl. Uh, they still have tough games left. They have to get over this weird thing they have with the Browns where Cincinnati, for whatever reason, can never beat Cleveland. Uh, they have to go to Tampa to New England, home against Buffalo, and then home against Baltimore. I don't think they're going to win all these games, but honestly, if they go three and two in these last five, I think they have a good chance of making uh, the playoffs as the division winner for the AFC North. Yeah, I, I'm with you, too. And, and it's, it's you know, the Joe Cool we saw down the stretch uh, last year. And you know what impresses me most is that he's using his legs, like, really effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, in the there's some of these times he he tucks and runs and I'm like oh my god please don't get hurt please don't get hurt please don't get hurt yeah uh, just because I want to see him on the field it makes a, a, a better product for what we're watching um, but yeah he's 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 been electric uh, running back on their offense plug and play like Joe Mixon's out great Samaj P runs in 21 carries uh, and 106 yards for him plug and play done. Uh, Jamar Chase misses four games, not a problem. Seven catches, 90 yards, but no big deal. Uh, so, so this team, I, I talked about continuity earlier with, uh, with some of the Vikings uh, offense, and I think this uh, Bengals offense does a little bit more in terms of facing adversity, um, being able to play through uh, some of that adversity. Uh, but they are very talented. They are very deep. And, and you know, credit to, to – uh, to Joe Burrow and, and the coaching staff for doing well uh, in, in that regard on offense. And then on defense, they are getting after the quarterback. I mean, like this is how they were playing down the stretch and in the playoffs uh, last season. This defensive line it is nasty. Trey, Heng- Trey Hendrickson's playing out of his mind. Uh, and then the back end is playing just as well, too. I mean, uh, that, that, that was the one weak spot I think we, we all saw in the, in the Bengals' defense. So they're playing really bounced. Uh, football. This team, I think, is is one that scares me probably most in the NFL right now. Wow. No, I mean, on the AFC side, they're definitely scary. 
<clears throat> I think after the Dolphins lost in the way they did, like this, this team is definitely up there now in terms of, you know, teams you got to be afraid of. But you're right, Jeff, it comes down to Cleveland, man. Like, can they take care of business in the division? And can they, you know, if they can do that, um, you know, they, they'll definitely have a good shot. But I, I think in general, they're, they're just going to have um, – they need to have a special run. Like, they're, they're definitely poised to be great here and, and go off. But I don't know, man. Like, the, that last year was something crazy special. So, um, you know, the last, seem- yesterday's game was massive. But yeah. I, I, they have a lot of work to do. But they, the one thing I'll say about them, and, and I, I don't know if, how much of this is a Joe Burrow thing or leadership or Zach Taylor, who to give the most, the lion's share of the credit or the Bengals share of the credit uh, to, mm-hmm. is their ability to win games late, right? Like there were a couple of big mistakes there. The, the fourth and one that Cincinnati had that they did the weird jet sweep in Kansas, and they were in field goal range too, would have put them up a full touchdown. They decided to go for it. Instead of trying to push the pile, they run one of those little jets, you know, turnaround jet sweep kind of deals. Kansas City blows it up. I think it was Carlos Dunlap shoots through the gap, blows it up, makes an amazing play. Uh, Tyler Boyd drops a wide open touchdown pass that would have helped put the game away, right? All these little mistakes, and yet they still find ways towards the end of the game to redeem themselves and to win games close by making big-time plays and big-time catches. The throw on third down to T. Higgins to ice the game for Cincinnati – was an unbelievable throw. Uh, Scotty, you were talking about Joe Burrow's ability to use his legs and his athleticism to run. He's a pretty good athlete. To me, it's he's the first quarterback I've seen since Peyton Manning or since Tom Brady to manipulate the pocket the way that he does. And his ability to slide up and that just that that sixth sense of just being able to feel pressure and step up to the right spots and still get throws off. Uh, he's the best at that in the NFL right now. You know, he's not like Mahomes who will circle out and make a play out in space or Jalen Hurts who will take off and run because he's such a great running back. Uh, same thing with Josh Allen. It's He's doing it all from within the pocket. And then if he needs to break free, he can do that too. And he's just finding ways to grind it. They're able to move the ball in the running game. They're the fourth highest passing offense in the NFL right now. Uh, they're just they're playing really good football. And as you said it there too, Scotty, the defensive line's getting after it. But there is something about this team, and I think it starts at the quarterback position, and this is that it factor. The reason, as much as I love Justin Herbert, and I don't blame Justin Herbert for anything that's gone on in the Chargers, but there's something special about Joe Burrow and the way that he commands a team down the stretch in big games that you just don't see from a lot of other guys. And Joe Burrow does it as well as anybody in the NFL right now and did it against – the best quarterback and one of the best teams in the NFL. And this stretch is tough. I mean, Tampa Bay's got a good defense. New England's got a good defense. They have Cleveland again. And then, yeah, they got to beat Baltimore and Buffalo. Those are five challenging games. They should be able to, they have a chance to win all of them and they should win at least three of them, but it's going to be a tough stretch. Shout out to one of my tie boys, JT, because he pointed this out last night. Have you ever heard every week for the last couple of weeks, whether it was Herbert and Mahomes, Burrow and Mahomes, Josh Allen and Mahomes, it's always like, this is the new Manning Brady. And Mahomes is all of those, but there are a lot of these other quarterbacks, right? There's great matchups, but credit to Mahomes for just always being in that conversation. Like we're giving all the credit to the Bengals and everything, which deservedly so they won, but Chiefs lost by three. Like they're, this yeah. team is still damn good and, and you better watch out. And it's really hard to beat a team twice in a season. So uh, you know, Bengals watch out in the playoffs. And, and this is, and this is why I picked, I picked Cincy. Scott also picked Cincy in our, in our picks last week, because it, it felt like, like Kansas city for as good as they are, there's going to be a game where they just come up a little bit short. Like that's the nature of the NFL. It happened in new England for 20 years with Tom Brady. Like 
Even yeah. in the years that they were going 12 and four every single year, there were still four games that they would ultimately lose. And they were typically close. It'd be a game against Pittsburgh or a game against Baltimore or a game against Indy or something in the regular season that they would drop. And this isn't obviously like them losing to Indianapolis earlier in the season. This is them losing to a team that was in the Super Bowl a year ago. That is a really good team. And it came down to the last play. And you know, if they end up playing again in the postseason, the chiefs are going to have it out for Cincinnati, but this game not only was huge for Cincinnati, but this is the game that Buffalo needed to happen because when Buffalo went down their little weird, you know, stretch there where they were losing a couple games, the Minnesota game uh, and, and the game against the Jets. Well, now they're back in first place. They control their own destiny. And it goes back to the Kansas City Buffalo game when Buffalo exercised their demons against Kansas City, won that game. And now Buffalo's holding on the first place comfortably. I'm not worried about Kansas City. Kansas City's still going to be there in the end. They were my pick to make it to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I still believe that. I do still think Kansas City is going to make it back to the Super Bowl this year. Um, but for whatever reason, Cincinnati seems to have their number. And this was just going to be one of those few losses that they have on their schedule. Uh, all right, Miami and San Francisco. The Dolphins uh, started off with a bang, 75-yard touchdown pass um, to, uh, to who was it? T- Jalen Waddle? Is that what it was? Uh, no. And then Sherfield. Yeah, the, the opening one? Yeah. I thought it was Waddle who scored that. No. Waddle, Waddle had like two catches. It was Sherfield. All right. Uh, well, either way, opening deep ball to uh, Sherfield for, for Tua, and then a whole lot of uh, – yeah, you're right, it was Sherfield. A whole lot of nothing after that. Um, Tua looked pretty bad in this game. Um, inaccurate, yeah. jumpy, uh, made, made a couple of plays. This is, this is one where the stats will look more impressive at the end of the game. Uh, than they actually were. And for San Francisco, big win for them, um, but bigger loss obviously coming from Jimmy G. So, Scotty, we'll hand it off to you. Uh, big win, but also coming out of price. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, for the for the Dolphins, uh, look, I, I think this is that every team's found the blueprint now, right? Uh, Tua looked uncomfortable in the pocket, out of the pocket, and, and I think that's what contributed to a lot of the inaccuracies. Um because usually he's he's money, uh, right? When he has the time to throw, uh, and we talked about that in the off season, right? Is is Tua, who's historically in in the NFL been one of the the quickest uh, from snap to to throw quarterbacks in the league um, historically, and, and this year he's had more time to throw, which is a credit to their offensive line, but he's also been more accurate because they're they're not allowing as much pressure uh, onto onto Tua in the pocket. And so even when the pocket moves, the, the 49ers defense is athletic enough. Uh, you said who, I don't know who you said the, uh, the best defense in the NFL is you're wrong. It's the San Francisco 49ers defense. Um, but uh, look, I, I think that's, that's the blueprint to, to beat this offense. Yeah. You're going to give up the, the big play to Tyreek Hill. He's going to get behind you every once in a while and Tua is going to hit him. But I think that's the blueprint, man. If you get enough pressure, consistent pressure, uh, Constant pressure uh, on on uh, on Tua and the, and the Dolphins' offensive line. I think that's where where they're going to struggle. And as we've said, you know, over the past weeks, they weren't able to run the ball because of how good that defensive line is. Uh, and, and so I think that that you know didn't didn't allow anything to open up for for the Dolphins' offense. The Niners. Well, hold up, real quick on that because I do want to make one other point here with Tua because it kind of goes along with some of the stuff I've said all year. Last week, I, I kind of gave Tua 
more of his flowers than I have all year. Right. Um, but I still hold true. And it's kind of been my stance with two all year is that when everything is set up the right way, when everything's perfect, right. Um, Tua can do it right. Tua can make every throw that you need him to. He can pick apart defense as well. He can see the field really, really well. He's really good at that. He's really good at manipulating safeties and, and defensive backs with his eyes. But the second that everything isn't set up and I don't want to say perfectly, but almost perfectly, everything's set up easily in front of him. He, he can't do it on his own. He's not one of those quarterbacks that's going to be able to break off and make plays like Burrow or like Jalen Hurts or like Justin Herbert or some of these other guys, these young guys who are really good and can do other things. Tua kind of needs all that set up in front of him. And to your point, Scotty, that was this was the first time in a while that Miami's been challenged by a really good defense. And when they were, he he struggled. And it wasn't all set up perfectly in front of him. And his timing was off and his accuracy was off, which are typically – his two biggest strong set points. So I just thought that was a good point. I thought it was added. Now I want to hear how you're feeling about San Francisco, because to me, that's the bigger storyline coming out of this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough, right? I mean, we, we talked last week about the, the Eli Mitchell injury and, uh, and Christian McCaffrey still kind of banged up and playing through it. And, and we're dealing with that lack of depth. The offensive line depth has been a problem all year. The secondary depth has been a problem all year. And on top of that, now we lose Jimmy Garoppolo who came in because Trey Lance came in or got injured and is out for the rest of the year, our franchise quarterback. We throw it back Jimmy G, who's done nothing but win games, and now he's out for the season, and that's a huge blow. Look, Brock Purdy came in and played phenomenal football um, in a really complicated offense, um, and I think you wouldn't get that you know, if this were earlier in the season, but uh, credit to Brock Purdy. I don't know what you do moving forward because – uh, you're in a rock and a hard place at uh, at eight and four um, because this division is very winnable and you're now expected to win this division um, with uh, with how we've seen the, the rest of the teams play. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I don't know, because we talked last week about how how scary the 49ers are. Nobody wants to play the 49ers, um, but now you kind of want to play them without Jimmy Garoppolo there, right? Uh, I don't want to play that defense if I'm anybody uh, because that defense is going to keep you in the game enough, but I don't think you're going to get a 33 point day from, from Brock Purdy if you're, if you're playing against the Eagles defense. Uh, right. So I don't know if, whether the move is to make a move, like, like we said, or you alluded to earlier, Jeff uh, Baker Mayfield's out there. He just got uh, cut by the, uh, by the Panthers. Um, one of the one of the interesting ones that my friends and I were floating around is Drew Brees coming out of retirement. That would be fun. Uh, Andrew but, Luck, uh, I heard. Maybe. Andrew Luck is old, is old on the table. Luck sighting. No, that, yeah, that, that wouldn't uh, happen. But that would be so, insane. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a there's a lot of ways you could do it. I, I think, you know, it is it is a huge loss though because at the end of the day, like I said, Jimmy G won games, um, and he was a, a competent enough quarterback to do that. Uh, I hope that's not how he goes out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I've been uh, historically a, a, a Jimmy G hater, uh, but also, uh, yeah, in, in the really? in the recent history, I've been a Jimmy G lover. So uh, I'm sorry that it ended this way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but uh, look, yeah, we, we got a lot out in front of us that we got to figure out. It's a tough spot, but here's the thing. If there's one team in the NFL, like legitimately, if there's one that I would trust, had to pick to overcome a quarterback injury like this, just based off the amount of talent that's there, the situation uh, with the head coaching, plus how good the defense is and ability to keep that up. 
Uh, it's San Francisco, right? I mean, they've already did it once, switching from Trey Lance to Jimmy G, which might have, could have been an upgrade. We don't really know. We didn't see enough out of Trey Lance to really be able to decide. Uh, but still, just in years past, whether it was when Nick Mullins would come in and, and rattle off some wins, right? And C.J. Beathard would come in and keep them in games. Uh, Brock Pur- Purdy looked good. Like, yeah, he, 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 he looked like Nick Mullins and some of those other backups who jumped in uh, when they needed backups over the years to go out and win football games. And I think we're going to see San Francisco continue to do enough on the defensive side of the ball. I think you have to roll with Brock Purdy, uh, who was a really good college quarterback and consistent and won big games and threw for 12,000 yards in his college career at Iowa state and took in, I mean, obviously Matt Campbell had a lot to do with it, but I mean, he's the best football player in Iowa state football history. Right. And he took that team to win a big 12 championship and, and to win nine, nine, 10 wins multiple times uh, at a program that historically that never does. So there's something to saying, Hey, you know what, let's roll with it and let's see what Brock Purdy can do. Um, I, and I, at the I, worst case, you still have Debo, Iuke, uh, uh, McCaffrey Jesus. and <laughs> McCaffrey. George Kittle. Like you, you got have, George Kittle there. Yeah, you have a ton like, of weapons that'll be able to do it. And the biggest point again is it's the court. It's the coach who's working with the quarterback. We know Kyle Shanahan is going to do. They're going to look at some old Iowa State film and say, "Hey, what are what stuff that you like to run?" And they're going to give him opportunities to do that. And then you have a really, really good defense that's going to keep you in games. I think they'll do enough. They do have another big game against Seattle. That one's going to be huge for them. But the rest of the games on their schedule seem pretty winnable. Um, They have a game in Las Vegas, which Vegas and the way they're playing might be a little tough. But um, I I tell you what, I'm I'm not as afraid of the Niners as I was before. But when you're playing a defense that good uh, and a head coach and Kyle Shanahan, who's who's as good as he is in dialing stuff up and, and creating offenses that fit his player schemes. Uh, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't want to play San Francisco in the postseason. I'm just saying it now. Uh, and McCaffrey looks awesome. Even, even if yeah. he's hurt, he's, he's looked so good in San Francisco. Uh, and yeah. that trade has, has worked out well. Any other thoughts on this one, Vito? It. Do you want to, should we move on to the next? No, I'm good. All right. The other two games we did not touch on from the early window, Seattle uh, comes back a Geno Smith fourth quarter drive. First one since 2014 to win a game, keeping their uh, postseason hopes alive. This That put them into the playoffs thanks to the uh, Washington and Giants tie. Uh, and then the other game was the Chargers and Raiders. Uh, I, there's not a whole lot I learned from either of these two games. The, the Raiders, honestly, good on Josh McDaniels. Um, we had our fun at his expense, and a lot of people in the NFL world had their fun make making fun of Josh McDaniels uh, and, and the failure. And the Raiders have now routed off a few wins in a row with the offense looking better and better. Um, five and seven. It's crazy the teams that have started off slow and are now sitting at five and seven. Because uh, that's where the, the Lions are now five and seven. The Steelers are now five and seven. Um, there's, there's a few of them now that are kind of hanging in that little uh, that little pocket. Um, yeah. The Raiders I feel like we're going to look at the draft order at the end of the year and be like, whoa. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's the seasons had a lot of up and downs. It's kind of fluctuated a ton. Um, But yeah, I mean, big win for Seattle. Like I said, it keeps them in. I I think Seattle will ultimately make the playoffs. Uh, Their, their schedule. uh, They got, I think they have, I'm trying to pull it up. They have one more really tough game. Was it the Jets that they have to to play? I have to play the Jets and the Niners. 
Uh, oh, and they have Kansas City. So maybe Chiefs. Seattle maybe oh. Seattle won't make the playoffs. Uh, but they do have Carolina at least, uh, and they could definitely beat uh, the Jets. They could beat the Rams. I think they could beat San Francisco, depending on what we see from Brock Purdy. But for a young team uh, and just a really fun story, that the Seahawks have been fun this year. Uh, and the Chargers, they're just so snake bit with injuries. Uh, that touchdown throw by Herbert on fourth and eight to Keenan Allen was oh. one of the best plays of the year. Um, 45 yards off of one leg. <laughs> but if it's not for that unbelievable play by Justin Herbert, this is at least a two touchdown difference. Um, the Chargers are not a good football team right now. And it, I, I, a lot of it has to do with injury, no question. But like, I hated the Mike Williams contract when they signed it. They're stuck with him. He's going to continue to get hurt. Keenan Allen, that was only his second touchdown catch of the year. Uh, Austin Eckler, he's probably got one more year maybe left that to be able to play at a really, really high level. Uh, obviously losing Rashawn Slater and some of the people, but the defense has been really bad uh, for, for a guy in Brandon Staley, who was heralded as this defensive guru, uh, the defense for, for, for all the, the pieces they got really bad. for all the pieces they got in the off season, but none of the pieces they got fixed the biggest problem, which they had last year too, was just stopping the fucking run. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you get, Khalil Mack in there, you're like, okay, we got one piece. But that uh, but doesn't help you is... on the in- doesn't help in, yeah. in the interior. You know, exactly. they had Linville Joseph and they let him walk, and now he's playing meaningful snaps for the Eagles. Like, yeah, no, no one picked him up till halfway through the season, but still, like, I don't know. It's just, it sucks. It sucks that it... Philip Rivers did it for 15 years, and now it looks like we might be in another situation where Justin Herbert is getting wasted so far in his first few seasons with the Chargers. I totally agree. It's it's disappointing to see, especially with some of the talent on that defensive side. And they've had some injuries, but on the Raiders side too, this team, um, I, I'm, I was definitely in the sh- in the ship of like Raiders are the worst team in the AFC West. Maybe just you know out of my own stake in the in the game. But I I do think that man, they they look a lot better than I gave them credit for this before going in this week. I was uh, like a lot of people. I was like, man, Judd. Like, should he just stay in New England? Because apart, they are not good. And together, they are good. Like, yeah. And, and you know, yeah. he's finding a little bit of his own success here, um, finally. And, and, you know, I'm with Devontae Adams, you know, they, they, they're getting involved a lot, but there's something, there's something still off about this Vegas team. Both these teams, again, they just seem like they're underperforming the talent on their squad. Yeah. I mean, look, they're five and four since week three. You know, in a first year or not first year to coach, but his first year with um, with the Raiders and and a new quarterback wide receiver dynamic. And there's a lot of holes on that roster, too. Like That's a big part of the, of the Raiders. And I think it was very easy for us, again, to jump on the Raiders for sucking in Josh McDaniels because of the track record, because of the what was it the six and oh start in Denver before they realized that he was cheating and then. Uh, then they, yeah. he was absolutely horrendous from then on. Like, I'm kind of happy to see Josh McDaniels start to have a little bit of success here for a Raiders team that, um, and I don't know if it's just because it's what, this is year eight or year nine of Derek Carr, but like, maybe I'm just a sucker for the sab sto- sob story, whatever it is. I'm happy for Derek Carr. All right. I'm happy that Derek Carr is at least not completely miserable. Um, and Good. look, there's, there's some last year in Vegas. Because uh, Aaron Rodgers is going there. Like there's some uh, there's some ugly losses on there, like the loss of Jacksonville and the loss of New Orleans, twenty four to nothing. Like those are bad losses. But hey, you know they they beat Denver twice. 
a really good defensive team. They put up 54 points on them in, in both game or combined between the two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a win against Seattle, that's a pretty good win this year. And then a win against the Chargers, which is a pretty good win this year. Uh, and I'm also happy for Josh Jacobs because I like Josh Jacobs. And they've done most of it this year without Darren Waller, which is a, which is also really important because that's a big piece of that offense. Uh, and, and who knows, maybe they'll go on a little run and try to find a way if to sneak in the playoffs or at least uh, end the season on a high note. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm at least somewhat happy for Josh McDaniels. Uh, and we talked about Colts and Cowboys already, so we don't have to talk about that. Let's talk a little bit before we wrap up here about the college football playoff. It is set. We have number one, Georgia, num- number two, Michigan, number three, uh, TCU, and number four, Ohio State, setting up a potential Big Ten championship game, uh, which would be awesome be- between Ohio State and uh, Georgia. Um, the redemption. It would. I'd watch how that. Wild, how wild would that be? Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba opting out of the college football playoff to get ready for the NFL. Uh, honestly, after what we've seen with Jameson Williams and uh, John Mechie over the last uh, couple of years and wide receivers tearing ACLs, um, I, I don't fully blame him. It sucks. This is the first time we've had a player, a, a top tier NFL caliber type player uh, opt out of a college football playoff. We've had bowl game opt outs. We get them every year. Um, so that's definitely a bummer. He's also been banged up all year, so I, I don't fully blame him but for ohio state that definitely sucks um first and foremost the question you always have to ask did the committee get it right i think so i think so too yeah yeah Yeah, i agree Uh, it it, for his all all the talk in the media particularly about tcu doesn't belong there um and then they get the loss it's like that was the one that kind of teetered uh but but you look at their strength of schedule like who they they had really good wins. Um, and, and I don't care that they went to Baylor and, and had a miracle win that they, they ran the field goal team on onto the field with like that was awesome. three seconds left and kicked the field goal to win the game. That's college football, man. I'm sorry. Like you got to win the games, uh, especially when it's a 14 playoff and you did. And, and at the end of the day, you lost your conference championship, but there was two top 10 team in yeah. Kansas state. And so, a team that they had already uh, I don't, beat too. Exactly. And I don't, so I don't think leaving TCU out would have been, would have been right, would have been fair uh, because it would have meant letting in a, a two loss Alabama team. And then everybody who's out of the SEC would have been up in arms and in the SEC too. But, but yeah, I think they got it right. I think, I think, listen, when you look at it, I think the thing they got right are the four teams. I'm not, I, I understand why they did the seating the way they did. Um, they don't know what's seen Ohio State. Michigan rematch in the first week of it. Um, but, um, you know, there's an argument to be made there about three and four. What I, what I loved, and I'll tell you guys, I loved, like, this weekend was great for the fact that SC lost. I'm glad they're not in it, honestly. Caleb Williams is great, but um, I think these are these are the teams. Um, you know, SC, obviously, if they win, they're in. So this is, uh, that was a huge loss to get this set up, but I think, when you look at it objectively, these are the best teams. And what, what's going to happen, I think, which is crazy, is that, okay, Michigan, as Penn State fans, we talked about on here, Scott, right? Like, we knew that Michigan's lines were better than Ohio State's lines. And they were more physical. Georgia is the most physical team in the country. 
So I don't think Ohio State, like just looking at this, that's not a good matchup for Ohio State. You always take a rematch just because you learn so much from a loss. So I think even just getting in, it doesn't mean much. Like I'm, I'm still scared shitless of Georgia. I actually had one of the kids in Southern California who I was watching uh, with the next day or um, I was watching and then the next day we hung out. He was saying like, he's like, honestly, as an SC fan, and this is such an SC thing to say, but he was like, I'm kind of glad I just don't have to get my team get pummeled by Georgia. Like, you know, I was like, you know, of course you'd rather Go be in the play playoff, the but... meaningful games. I mean, please. Yeah. And then no, win one, by the way, USC, get out of here. <laughs> well, the point is that like, I think that's going to happen. I think Georgia, um, it's going to be crazy. And, and I don't know, we'll see what happens here. What about you? Yeah, Jeff? I what think that's going to be an electric game. Like you said, Jeff, what's that? Which one? Georgia uh, and Ohio state. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be a really good game. Um, right now, Georgia's a six and a half point favorite, according to the early lines. Um, I, not having Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think is sucks. I think it hurts Ohio state, but Ohio state does have a ton of really, really good wide receiver depth and, and watching some of the backups that came in for like Alabama those years when, um, Jameson Williams would go down or, and some of the other guys who, who got hurt playing in those games, they always had somebody else on deck. And that's kind of where Ohio state is when it comes to wide receiver talent. You still have Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, they still have Travion Henderson, Ohio State, Georgia, and, and I've been saying this all year, when they're fully healthy, I think Ohio State has the best chance of anybody to beat Georgia. Uh, and, and I still believe that. I, I think Ohio State, the explosiveness, C.J. Stroud, uh, Ryan Day being the head coach, the defense is going to be a problem, right? They're going to have to match the physicality of Georgia. Uh, and I think that's going to be a really fun game. But I agree. I think they got it right. And I think having TCU at number three um, is really important that they didn't leapfrog Ohio state to, to number three. And I think it's important too, cause it's, I don't think it was because of ratings. If they thought Ohio state was the no. number three team in the country, they would have put them there. We yeah. saw Georgia and Bama play in the first round. And we've seen conference teams play each other in the first round of college football playoff before. So I don't think it would have prevented them from doing that. If anything, you're guaranteeing an absolute rating bonanza by having that in the first round, as opposed to waiting and saying, hey, well, maybe we'll have a Michigan-Ohio State championship game uh, in, in the final. Putting TCU at number three is huge because it says that playing in the conference championship game oftentimes is a disadvantage for an undefeated uh, a team, right? Uh, and punishing a team for having to play an extra team, for getting to their conference championship game, playing presumably at least the top 15 team in their own conference a second time often, uh, saying that that would punish a team and their resume is completely unfair. So I think it was the right thing to do to keep TCU at number three. Um, I had basically this final four, except I just had TCU and USC flipped. I thought if USC won, USC would move up to number three. And then I thought the committee would leapfrog Ohio State over TCU. And I'm really, really glad that they didn't. Um, TCU-Michigan, I think, is actually going to be a really good game. TCU yeah. is a really, really physical team. They're really good on the offensive line. I think they're going to struggle to stop the run against Michigan. I think that's going to be a big problem for them. And Blake Corum's going to have extra time to get back and get healthy. And that's going to be a huge plus. Um, but I really like what Michigan I, I like what the committee did I think they did it right um Bama I, I will say this do I think Bama is one of the four best teams in college football yes I, I genuinely do 
But do I think their resume is enough to put them there? No, because college football playoff, for as much as we want to say it's the four best teams, it's the four best teams. It's the four best teams with the four best resumes. Both of those things have to be true. They both have Mm -hmm. to line up in power five football. So (laughs) the fact that they were able to keep Alabama out, even though I really think if you injected them with truth serum, everyone in that committee room, who is a favorite on neutral field, Alabama, Michigan, Alabama, TCU, Alabama, Ohio State, everyone in the top four other than Georgia, Bama is a favorite on a neutral field. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. They they legitimately lost two games on the last second of each game. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. That's yeah. just brutal. Yeah. And, and look, they had five one possession games this year, which is super uncommon for Alabama. Um, right. But yeah, you know, one Will Reichard kick goes a slightly different. One bounce goes a different way. Um, you know, they, they make a stop on the two-point conversion against LSU in, in overtime. Mm-hmm. It's game over, right? And, and Bama's more than likely back in the college football playoff ahead of probably Ohio State. Um, but this is right. And I think Ohio State's going to give Georgia a good run for it. Um, and I think Michigan TCU is going to be a good game. But what I'll say is this. Georgia is a clear-cut favorite above everyone else. Um, So if anyone's going to stop Georgia from repeating, it's going to take a Herculean effort. Um, All three teams need to combine to play Georgia and maybe you have a shot. Yeah. Transfer Uh, portal. Yeah. Get Blake Corum in at running back with Michigan's offensive line, get TCU's wide receivers with Ohio state's wide receivers, TCU and Michigan's defense combined. And then CJ Stroud and Max Duggan can just switch off uh, playing all time QB. Uh, And then, yeah, you'll still probably lose, but um I mean, it goes back to what I said when we were picking the games on um, on Friday's show, which is that if you look at uh, the spreads for the SEC championship game and the Big Ten championship game, the gap between Michigan and Purdue, according to Vegas, was the same gap between Georgia and LSU. And that's saying a lot because that Purdue team is not good. Uh, and LSU is actually a pretty damn good football team. And Georgia was still a 17 and a half point favorite. So no, the committee got, got it right. Um, and I'm excited for bowl season. I'm excited for bowl season. We'll do a bowl. Rose preview. bowl, baby. We'll, we'll get a bowl <laughs> game preview here going in the next week or two, uh, as well as we have army Navy this weekend, which is of course, uh, one of the best college football games, if not the best of the year. So, uh, that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we love you guys. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, week 14, preview in the nfl more big games coming as we get down the stretch or five more weeks of nfl football stop it five yeah don't know where it goes don't where it goes uh everyone good luck with your holiday shopping and uh i don't know take it easy everybody we love you